Welcome back to Calling All Sports. This portion of the show is brought to you by Sanford Health, Vance Thompson Vision, Dakota Bank, and Comfort King. And welcome back. Before we get to Stu, I we're just during the break, we we're just chatting about this camp that Curtis was at. Um it, when when you met Barry Sanders. Mm-hmm. Some of the other guys that were there as coaches. Uh, oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, as you must have just been kind of in a wow world when you were there. Well, it's where I first met Joe Glenn. That's who had the biggest impact on me because then he recruited me out of high school. He was the head coach at Northern Colorado then. I thought he was a tremendous man. I still, to this day, have the utmost respect for him. But Lou Holtz, uh, Vinny Testaverde, Gary Kubiak, John Elway, um, Rodney Pete. It, it, yeah, it was just a who's who they were able to get. And there was thousands of kids at this camp. Uh, but it, it, it was, um, it was great. It was unbelievable. Well, you ended up, things all happened for a reason. We yeah. were talking to John Schemmel yesterday, the new athletic director at USD and how certain things happen in your life that just change everything. Yeah. And you ended up at USF. And, you know, I think about that every now and then I go, Gosh, if I hadn't met Debbie at the TV station in Rockford, I never would have had Ryan and Nick and Nate. And if I hadn't taken that job, if I had taken that job at such and such TV station or ESPN or whatever, I wouldn't be here doing this and have all my friends. And, you know, in your case, you end up at USF and look where that took you. Well, and quickly, before we get to our guest star here. But I told the story numerous times here now since Kalen played in the national championship of how he just got cut from the Canton Crocodiles and he's standing right next to me <laughs> as I'm telling Kim Nelson, hey, yeah. I can't coach for you. Well, you got anyone else? And here, yeah, here's my roommate. And, and then, <laughs> boom, a coaching career happened. And now he's at Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is funny. It's all your fault. It, residuals yeah. should be coming my way. You better be reminding him that yeah. constantly. So, uh Stu Whitney is our guest. Stu, we were talking about Barry Sanders here right before the break, and that's why I wanted to extend this conversation a little bit. Uh, you had to be heartbroken as a Lions fan when he decided to just retire, because I was, and I wasn't even a Lions fan, but I sure love Barry Sanders. Yeah, I mean, I was heartbroken. I was a little perturbed, too, about the, the kind of the way it went down. You know, you've got a coach that is writing you handwritten letters, uh, essentially begging for you to respond about whether you're going to be showing up at training camp or what your plans are and to not even respond i thought i thought it was a kind of an unprofessional way to to handle it uh with time i think that a lot of that has softened you know i was just posing in front of the barry sanders statue outside ford field a couple uh days ago so obviously my uh, uh my feelings is, as if they mattered at all to him uh have softened quite a bit but um yeah, I mean, a, a huge blow. He's a guy that put us, uh, put the Lions back on the map for about a decade, weren't able to get to where they wanted to, to get, but, um, that was, uh, an era, I think, of missed, of missed opportunities in a franchise where there's been a lot of missed opportunities. Yeah. Uh, your team was pretty good when I was a kid. So I'm going to age myself here a little bit, but I do that all the time anyway. When I was at Augie this morning at the press conference and wandering through the bowels of Midco Arena and Came across the Zamboni machine, and I said, "You guys need to let me do this." I've always wanted to ru- to drive the Zamboni from the time I was little. When at Boston Garden, they scraped the ice with shovels and had a little thi- little uh, little little sprayer of water that they push around like the things that you put your 
your um, fertilizer on a lawn with, and it would spray the ice. There was no such thing as a Zamboni. You are dating yourself yeah, now. Yeah, I know. Free Zamboni. Free Zamboni. That's me. <laughs> PZ. But I also go back to when the Lions were pretty decent. And, uh, you know, I think – and Wayne Rasmussen, one of our dear friends, one of my dear friends. I love Wayne. He was part of a pretty good Lions team. Well, yeah, yeah, then you've got sort of, uh, you know, they won it all in 1957, and I'm sure everyone thought they were on their way at that point, and they played in one, up until this year, they had played in one playoff game since then. Or, I'm sorry, one had won one playoff game since then. But there were some good teams, you know, uh, my that's my dad's era of, of being a Lions fan with Alex Karras and Joe Schmidt in the 60s and getting us into the early 70s. Uh, you know, those were, those were some com- very competitive teams. Uh, again, failed to break through, and then things got really, really bad in the in the seventies and late seventies, which led to my guy Billy Sims being drafted number one overall in nineteen eighty. You know, we had uh, that was the year I was at the Pontiac Silverdome final game of the regular season. It looks like we're going to the playoffs, and, and that's when the uh, the miracle at the Met hail mary where Ahmad Rashad caught the touchdown to beat the Browns and put the Vikings in the playoffs over my Lions. So that was. One in a series of uh, life-altering gut punches that I've taken as a Detroit Lions fan, and just kind of became accustomed to it. Uh, a few years later, 1983, and people should be talking about this pretty soon because it's the last time we played in San Francisco in a playoff game. The Lions were actually in position to go to the NFC Championship game in 1983 over Joe Montana and the Niners, and Eddie Murray pushed a pushed a field goal wide right from about 40 yards. And I was about 13 years old at the time, and that one still stings. And I, I, you know, I think fandom, I think, is almost measured by, you know, heartbreak as much as celebration and jubilation. Curtis wouldn't realize that. I mean, he's won championships everywhere he's gone. But for for those of us who have not uh, stood on the uh, in the winner's circle as much, uh, I think you're you're defined by a lot of those disappointments. Stu, I, I watched this heartbreak firsthand. It, you in a, a Lions jersey. I think you were with Mick at a Vikings game when the Lions were winning just about the entire game. And then Dan Orlowski, I think that was the same game where he ran out of bounds in the end yeah, zone. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you humbly took that walk <laughs> up the, <laughs> the steps and held your head high and, and, uh, <laughs> expressed to all the Vikings fans that you'd be back in a, a certain way. But um, I always appreciated that, loved it. What's your thoughts on the game, though, this weekend? Well, before I get to that, I mean, we should probably have Mick Gary on to talk about him having to put up with me uh, going to those Metro games. And I, I think that same thing, <laughs> you just happened to witness that one, but I think that same thing happened about eight times where, where the Lions were, you know, if not leading competitive at halftime. And I, you know, was – mouthing off to all the Vikings fans and then having to make that walk of shame through the <laughs> gauntlet of purple. Uh, it's the price you more. pay for such good seats. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Um, you know, I'm fairly confident going into this game. Uh, Debo Samuel's status will will be telling. Um, it sounds like he's about 50-50, but as you well know, Curtis, you got a, a, a shoulder injury going into an NFL game. The chance of that thing getting dinged again is, is pretty high, so Particularly, we have some defensive backs that hit a little bit. So, I don't, I, we have a better quarterback than they do. We have, I think, a better offensive line than they do. Um, 
So I think a lot of it is just this 49ers mystique, and they're at home. But I think if you just really lined it up and looked at it position by position, this is a pretty even football game. I thought the Packers were the better team, to be perfectly honest, and they should have won that game. Uh, they didn't. The 49ers, to their credit, uh, being one of the great teams in the NFL right now, they scored at the end of the game. And I, I do think Christian McCaffrey is your MVP ahead of Lamar Jackson. I do. I, I think he's done so much to help his team. Um, catching passes, running, he's durable, he's there, you can count on him. I I think he's the guy. He's my MVP. But anyway, I thought the Packers were the better team, which should give you even more confidence because the Lions are better than the Packers. Yeah, the Packers, the way they were played at the end of the year, I I did not want to play them in the wild card round. I was very happy to play the Rams, I, even though we clearly almost lost the Rams. Uh, it was, uh, you know, the Packers kind of turned their season around against Detroit on Thanksgiving Day, and Jordan Love, you know, made a pretty incredible transformation into a, a real high-level quarterback almost halfway through the year. Uh, but I think you see the pressures that come to bear on uh, on that quarterback position where he, you know, in the, in the fourth quarter of that game, on the verge of a almost a career-defining win at San Francisco to take them to the NFC Championship game, uh you, you know, made some mental errors and everything, everything was sharp up until that point. And then, then to throw across your body in a situation where that ball obviously cannot be thrown and, you know, channeling his inner Brett Favre, just a, uh, you know, I, I, I just think it shows, uh, the sort of the X factor of playing in a, in a high profile game like that, how people will respond. And he did not respond in a winning fashion down the stretch. I was yelling, oh, no, as I saw what he was thinking about doing on that. I'm sure you were, Curtis, because yeah. that's been one of your biggest criticisms of of love is just what we saw there. Well, I, I thought he was, just like Stu was saying, he, the transformation he had taken like the last six games yeah. where I still just hated watching him. I thought his feet were always off, and he, he just kind of armed his throws, but uh, his TD to interception – percentage was outstanding one question i got for Stu: how does brown not make the pro bowl like where where did things go wrong there i mean he has had a phenomenal season yeah i mean he made the all pro team i don't know if there's some players that think he's too cocky or something because the pro bowl is voted upon by the players uh so uh that's a that's a that's a mystery to me i think the all pro is actually more prestigious uh incentives uh, are based on that too right exactly and but his toughness—he's, I think, the toughest, the toughest wide receiver in the NFL. His dad was like a Mr. Olympia type guy, and he used to drag those guys to the gym at like 5 a.m. And you know, it sounds like one of these uh, stories you always hear, but it's pretty legit with his family about, uh, you know, how they were were sharpened at a young age, and the catch that he made uh, to convert on a third down at Ford Field that kind of helped us seal the the victory you know he he caught the ball about two yards in front of the sticks with two guys on him and basically dragged two defenders which you might see from you know you might see from earl campbell or ricky williams or something like that but from a a smallish uh, wide receiver to be dragging guys uh to the first down marker with the game on the line it's pretty inspiring stuff Stu whitney's our guest along with curtis riggs i'm mark ovenden i want to ask both you guys this how much of a difference do you think Dan Campbell, with his incredible enthusiasm and positivity, has made to this team? Because 
I, I sometimes wonder how much in the professional football ranks, how much a coach can do to inspire his players who are all, you know, they're all multimillionaires who maybe have a tendency to tune out the coach. In this case, I'm not so sure. I, I just, first of all, I've loved watching what he's done with the team. But, Curtis, let's start with you. How much of a difference can Dan Campbell make in the NFL ranks? Well, it can go two ways. You can you can sell it and and really model it, and then if things don't come to fruition, if if it's going to be laughable. They're going to just laugh you off the stage. So, like, the going for it all the time, if they didn't actually follow through and get these, it would be a la the Chargers coach who just got fired. You know, the analytics are failing. I think he does a good job never trying to disguise or act like, I'm doing this because of analytics. No, I'm doing it because my gut says we can get this, and I got faith in my guys. They're going to get it. And when they do, they just love him. They think he's one of the guys. He's our leader. He's fearless. We want to play for him. And when you win, it's always easier to buy in. And that's what they're doing. Stu? Yeah, I think when we talk about culture, sometimes we talk about words too much and not actions. And, and you know, he got rid of some guys early on in his tenure that were not playing hard, that were that were not playing the physical style of football that he wanted. He just cut them in the middle of the year and said, you know, see you later. Jamie Collins, your uh, former Patriot, was one of them uh, at linebacker, Mark. And so, you know, that, that sends a message as much as, the press conference stuff does, you know, I think the players are more looking at, uh, at actions, you know, obviously a, a fiery speech, uh, certainly can go a long way at times. Um, but setting the culture, I think has to do with what players you want, which players you draft, which ones you come as free agents, which ones you decide to, uh, make active each week. And not all of them are the, are the most talented guys. But they fit what Detroit is trying to do. And, you know, they brought in uh, Craig Reynolds to score from the one yard, fourth and goal from the one. Yeah. Craig Reynolds, uh, you know, that was his only carry of the game. <laughs> uh, and I think that just kind of shows how, how deep that roster goes. And, and I think that's part of culture, too, that everyone is everyone's going to be called upon. Stu, you were at the game. How much emotion did you see in the stands after they had won from this fan base that's, that's you know, they've had – Trying to think of when they've won a national, when they won a world championship. I mean, the, the Red Wings have won several. It's been a while since the Tigers have done it. The Pistons were really good there for their bad boy years, but the Lions, the Lions have just let them down for decades. I can't imagine, you know, when the, when the Red Sox finally won it for me in 2004 after 86 years, I sat there in disbelief. I didn't know what to do, but I was by myself. It was after the, the TV sports cast and newscast had gotten over i was sitting in my corner and tom hansen was the only other person in the room and he goes let's go have a beer and celebrate i wasn't with 70 or eighty thousand people who were all on my side like you were on sunday tell me about that yeah that made it that made it special and you know one thing before i talk about the reaction uh upon winning i talk about just the the scene there, usually at NFL games, you see a decent amount of opposing fans. You know, it's just kind of the reality of the situation. That was not the case in Detroit on Sunday. I, uh, there might have been 1% Tampa Bay fans, two at the most. Uh, you know, there were not, there was not a single red jersey in, in our section. And that just goes to show, number one, Tampa doesn't have a huge passionate fan base that travels well. Number two, Detroit fans were not, not selling their tickets. And if they were, they're selling to fellow Lions fans or, 
or what have you. But, you know, the, the, the noise level in the building was, was incredible, uh, but got down to, you know, a whisper when, when Jared Goff and the boys were on offense. And when anything happened, certainly when they won, but a, a touchdown or a, a big third down stop, just hugging complete strangers. You know, I was there with my son, and I was there with my my brother and his son, but around us were com- complete strangers. And, you know, the hugging and the high-fiving that went on, uh, again, sounds like a cliche, but bringing, bringing the city together, bringing a fan base together that hasn't had much to cheer about. And then being outside and you know, leaving the stadium, walking to the concourse, uh, all the Let's Go Lions chants, chanting Jared Goff, and then getting outside and going on to Woodward Avenue. I sent a video of this on Twitter. With, you know, Woodward Avenue with the, with the Fox Theater marquee in the background. People are driving down the street, you know, hawking their horns, hanging out the windows, high-fiving people. You know, obviously that was just, I'll say just, uh, a divisional game. They didn't, they didn't win a world championship, but it, it felt like it there for a few minutes. Uh, you're giving me goosebumps. And the fact that you're able to share it with your son gives me more goosebumps. Yeah, that's, that uh, made it special because I almost feel bad about um, passing down my uh, Detroit Lions fandom to him and my, my daughter. Uh, my daughter Emily, when <laughs> she was really little, I had this little uniform that i bought for her and would you know dress her up for lions game days and stuff and then one day i was looking all over for her couldn't find it she had hidden it in the bottom of her closet she didn't <laughs> want to put it on so that that told me uh you know this is almost a curse that i put upon them but they're i mean if you watch them now they are they are into it and not just because the lions are winning now they've been there through thick and thin and yeah to be able to share that with uh with ellie was uh it's a huge, huge moment. Curtis, you know my youngest son, Nate, really well. He he, he worships the ground you walk on, by the way. Uh, when the Patriots won their last Super Bowl, and by the way, they sucked when I was growing up. I just want you to know that. There was one time when I was selling popcorn and peanuts at their games that they had a fourth and 76. <laughs> Think about that, okay? They were bad. They Wait, were 1-15 that, that year. That one. Fourth and 76. Uh, but after the last time they won the Super Bowl, Nate goes, Dad, we would watch the game together and we hugged and all that. Dad, I really love you. And he doesn't ever say that. Ever. He goes, Dad, I really love you. I'm so glad you were born in Boston. <laughs> he didn't love me for me. He just was glad I brought him up as a Patriots yeah. fan. So I'm glad your kids, uh, they're going to be wearing those Lions jerseys for the game uh, this weekend for sure. For sure, and you and I are a little bit in the same boat, having to come to Sioux Falls uh, and bring bring fandom that is not associated with Sioux Falls. And mine might be even worse because I'm a divisional rival to the team that all my friends and coworkers were cheering for. So uh, I know people get sick of it on uh, on Twitter. There's a lot of uh, anti lion venom from some of the Vikings fans, but I think I think even they have a grudging appreciation for what's going on this year. But I could be wrong. Well, congrats. I'm glad you had such a great time, and thanks for sharing. Appreciate it, guys. Good talking to you, Curtis. All right. Thanks, Stu. All right. We'll be right back with the remainder of today's show after this. For those who don't like to be still, for those with things to do and the drive to get them done, for those in search of a partner to help make it happen, there's a bank, a bank that listens, acts, and impacts all things right here. Dakota Bank. 
Go with experience. Go with teamwork. Go with integrity. For banking, insurance, mortgage, and trust. Dakota Bank, here for you. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, insurance and trust services, not FDIC insured. Buying a new truck for your farm or ranch is all about the bottom line. At Billion Fleet, Farm and Ram Commercial Business Link, we know that better than anyone. We have the experience, selection, and industry-exclusive pricing and incentives to help you with your bottom line. Plus, new Ram trucks have been named Motor Trend Truck of the Year for the third year in a row. To see if you qualify for fleet pricing on a new Ram, call 888-531-10. Or go to billionauto.com slash fleet. Hi, I'm Misty Carlson, and next to me is Betsy Weber, and we're with Corey Insurance. It's that time of year again when we reflect on what we're thankful for, right, Betsy? Definitely. We live in such a great city and state that continue to thrive because of all the wonderful businesses and families who call this home. We're so blessed to work for a family-owned business like Corey Insurance. We both understand the power of local shopping. When it comes to insurance, a local agent becomes part of your family. Corey Insurance is an independent insurance agency, which means we can provide you with plenty of options so we can find the plan that works best for you and your family. We represent many insurance companies with A-plus ratings, and we're confident we can find one that fits your needs. We are so thankful for our customers who trust us with their insurance. If you're looking for a local agent, we are always here to answer any questions that you might have for planning the new year. Just give us a call at 605-336-6303 or go to K-O-U-R-I Insurance. Insurance.com. Happy holidays from all of us at Corey Insurance to all of you. Advanced Thompson Vision. We change lives by creating vision every day. Everybody used to laugh at me if I didn't have four pair of glasses on my hat. I would have broken ones in my purse. I struggled. I had cataract and LASIK surgery done. From when you walk in, the greeting to the receptionist to each person that works with you, it's just over-the-top wonderful. I'm so thankful every day. Download our free cataract checklist at VanceThompsonVision.com. Does every home in your neighborhood look the same? Looking to give your home a little more pizzazz? A new garage door from Overhead Door Company of Sioux Falls is the easy way to give your home that new, refreshed look. We offer a variety of styles and options to fit any type of home. Stand out in the crowd and contact Overhead Door Company of Sioux Falls. Now celebrating 55 years in Sioux Falls, plus offices in Aberdeen and Watertown. Find us at OverheadDoorSD.com. That's OverheadDoorSD.com. Welcome back to Calling All Sports. This portion of the show is brought to you by Corey Insurance, Dakota Beverage, Billion Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram, Houston Speedway, the South Dakota Golf Association, and Corey and the Fireflies. And welcome back to Calling All Sports. Great to have Stu Whitney on. Yeah, I, I, who are your teams that you cheer for? Are you a Denver Bronco fan? No, Raiders. Oh, I, yep. that I grew up in I've San Diego. Okay. Yeah, San Diego, and I just thought I would like the team that everyone hated, and I just <laughs> love that that mystique, that nastiness, and and then Ken Stabler being a lefty, the snake. Oh yeah, yeah. Stabler was fun to watch play. It was he'd just throw darts, and you're a left-handed quarterback, yep. so I can oh, yeah. see why there would be. Yeah. I had a teacher about that same time, though, trying to convert me to a righty, saying you'll never be able to do anything being left-handed. Have I ever told you the story about Nate when he was little and we were out in the backyard and he was using, like, Nick's glove? And we were playing catch, and I'm thinking to myself, he's not near the athlete his brothers were. (laughs) Finally, he throws the glove down, left-handed glove. I mean, a left-hand glove 
throws the glove to the ground, grabs the ball, and just fires it at me. Whoops. <laughs> we thought he was right-handed. Yep. He was left-handed. And then he became exceptional. Yep. He did. He was on the radar of everybody at that point. Then. <laughs> yes. yep. He was a really good pitcher in baseball. and he They were really good at everything. Yeah, yeah. we had fun. Hit those guys lots of pop flies and fly balls and grounders and threw lots of football passes. We used to warm our ritual before watching the games on Sunday was to go out and play a game, a game in the backyard of just, he'd run patterns and I'd throw and he'd go, make me dive. Hey, this makes me think of Stu. Like Stu, as much as he was relentless on, in the media and which I always really loved how he would be thought-provoking and would challenge people. You should have saw him coach. Oh, like, bet. oh just an animal and and uh, would not hold back and expressed his feelings and his thoughts to everybody. <laughs> well, of and, course. Uh, and then when people found out who they were, that, that hatred just dug in. And so uh, I'm, I'm glad he's finally getting an opportunity to, to salvage and, and enjoy his his fanship. All right. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thanks, Curtis. We'll talk again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Calling All Sports. Today's show was brought to you by Arby's, Overhead Door, Great Life Health and Fitness, Lewis Drug, Fireplace Pros, Sanford Health, Dakota Bank, Dakota Beverage, Vance Thompson Vision, Corey Insurance, Furniture Mart USA, Billion Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram, the South Dakota Golf Association, Houston Speedway, Comfort King, and Corey and the Fireflies.